Live from Nakatomi Plaza, this is Derailed Trains of Thought. Hello, Tim. Hola. It is winter. Yeah, it is winter. Except Even it, here. It's, also, it's somehow Christmas again. How'd that happen? I don't know. Well, it, at least it's always winter and always Christmas for us. Um, sure. I'm sure. Well, and Christmas only mean good things. I, I should think so. I mean, they're having a, a fun Christmas party downstairs. I, I I can't see how anything can go wrong. No. I we're, mean, we're in like 1980s America. Like is everything perfect. is peaceful and yeah. calm. There's no terrorist activities going on. No, not like in the 2000s, so we're good. Yeah, so yeah, we'll be we'll be we'll be safe here. So thank you, podcast. Yes. You you brought us someplace nice for a change. And maybe we can get some more gifts or something. Yeah, sure. Why not? I'll, I'll I'll get a gift and I'll take it home for Valentine's Day. Yeah, maybe some nice slippers. Yeah, there we go. Something nice for your feet. For your feet, yeah. In case they get colder. Yeah, stuff. <laughs> Anyways, um, how's you been, Tim? How's you, How, been? how's you been? I've been alrighty. How, how you been? I's been good. <laughs> well, we're off to a great start here today. Too much eggnog. <laughs> so, yes, how have you been? I'm hanging in there trying to manage the uh, the long distance relationship stuff. Oh, fun. The nice thing is sometimes I get to take a train over to uh, to Chicagoland. And you just take the podcast over one of these days. Well, the podcast doesn't seem to want to help me out with that. No, it's kind of stubborn. Take, I mean, the train is kind of fun because it's like you just get to sit back, relax, watch some Disney Plus or, yeah. or read or what have you. And nice. Just let the, let the scenery pass by you. The train is very nice from... We go from South Bend, Waterloo, Waterloo. Yeah, yeah. it's not. It's a nice. Show. My neck of the woods. It's that's easier. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Kinderville, I guess it would be kind of. Well, we do Waterloo still closer, but I've done the South Bend before because I don't know for some reason. Okay, but yeah, it's it's nice to have Amtrak in your backyard. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And interestingly, I've done it twice now. We did it once in December, and I did it once just last weekend here in February. I didn't know if February would be less people there because I figured December probably have some people Christmas shopping and things mm-hmm. like that. But no, there's still uh, there was still a good crowd nice. taking the train to Chicago over the weekend and coming back. So I always see the Amtrak come through town between eight thirty and nine and Ken- through Kenneville. Yep, yep. Unless it's running late. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. It's always interesting to go through Kenneville from that perspective. It's like, oh, I've never actually been on the yeah. tracks before. Yeah, so. good. Okay, Tim, it's now time for story school. So today we're going to talk about active protagonists, which is a fancy way of saying heroes who want to get things done. Get things done. Now, I guess a question. Do you think there's a difference? Another term I've I've heard used for this is the strong-willed protagonist. I remember in uh, reading about classic Hollywood storytelling, the strong-willed protagonist was the person who really who had this burning desire to get something accomplished. I guess similar to active. Is that a term that you've heard from? I I don't know. I've heard it a lot, and but it makes sense, especially in the movie slash TV biz, because okay. it seems to me that protagonists are particularly monomaniacally driven. Monomaniacally. I don't know, driven on one thing. Okay. 
I don't know. I, that may be the wrong use. But I, they, they do I, don't know, I think it's a cool word. I've just never <laughs> heard it used before. <laughs> well, let's talk about the strong with the protagonist to begin with. Okay. So by definition, this is sort of, and they say this is a good thing, that you want your protagonist to make proactive choices to move the story forward, not to have stuff happen to him, but to do things. Yeah. Is he, that correct? Basically, the protagonist wants something, and he is has a strong determination to to get it. And again, this makes good story because we like to have characters that we can like cheer for, and that they're we like our heroes to be better than we are, and not as you know. Right, and the thing that he wants may not necessarily just be a greed thing, although sometimes that is you know got to find the treasure, Uncle yeah. Scrooge. But more often in an action scenario, it's to protect someone, to save the country, to uh, rescue his kidnapped daughter. To find the Ark of Covenant. Exactly. Yeah. Now, and again, it makes really good action movies, especially. And I think it what it does, it focuses the plot. It's moving forward at all times. It doesn't stop because, one, you have a want, a desire, and the protagonist will do anything. And again, you get people who are like, Nothing will stop me from saving my uh-huh. daughter. Nothing will stop me from fill in the blank. I guess you you could even say it in like romantic uh, movies, yeah. like um, romantic comedies. Um, say when Harry met Sally, I would say the the main thing that the protagonists are both looking for is love. They don't know where to find it, and they take some interesting routes to get to it. Now that's an interesting sidetrack here with the romantic comedies. You think those protagonists are as strong willed? Because sometimes it seems like things happen to them like part of the comedy is the fact that they get themselves i guess they get themselves into situations that's true i mean it it depends on the movie for sure i mean for some reason it came to mind and when harry met sally they're both constantly dating the the entire time they're dating other people so being they're very strong will proactive yeah they're being proactive in that sense now there'd be other ones where i guess while you were sleeping yeah where where she just kind of stumbles i mean she had a a person she was very interested in but as far as the situation that launched the series of misadventures yeah that just that that was kind of outside her okay so before we go on the the less active people okay um because there are stories that have less active people there are stories and apparently it's a no-no in script writing Uh oh but i know of some i've written some (laughs) but let's let's talk so i think generally this rule of thumb, and it, I think it's a rule of thumb and not... It's like when we talked about active and passive voice. Active voice is normally good, but it's not like you always need it. There are times not to. Mm-hmm. So generally, I think an active protagonist is encouraging. It keeps the plot moving. It, it has a tense, sense of tension. There's a sense that I am the captain of my own destiny sort of thing. And then when things happen... They react, they don't just moan and mope and all the such things. It's easy for the audience to root for the person who has a very clear goal in mind. But I do think that there are times when we get protagonists that are too proactive. Too proactive. Or too strong-willed, maybe, is a better way to say it. Okay. It happens in TV shows sometimes. So I watched this show, the first half season or first season of Manifest, and I haven't watched it since. I think it's still going on. Yeah, though. I think it is, and I don't know what's going on now. Okay. Um, but... Prince Charming, his name is Ben. It's from Once Upon a Time, Prince Charming. Uh-huh, the, the what actor. Is, what is his name? Dallas? Oh, you say that now, I just blanked a bit. Someone would tell me, and then I'd be like, yes, that's his name, Dallas. I want to say Williard because of a book that Janelle and I have been reading, but that's not right. He's a, he was a theologian. <laughs> Anyways, Ben in the in the show. Okay. That's his name. Okay. So the point manifests is that they were on this plane, 
and the plane disappeared for five years. Except people on the plane didn't have any time to go at all, and they come back, and five years have passed. And interesting so, scenario. Interesting scenario. And he's he's dedicated. He's going to figure out what happened. And you weren't proactive because otherwise you wouldn't have a story if he wasn't purposely trying to figure out all what happened. But the the lengths he will go through to try to make you're like a normal person would never do this. Uh, like he will just throw himself like it's always like I have to do this even though you're like dude just wait a second and like spend some time with your wife or something you know <laughs> and sometimes Kate and Loss would show up this I way I was just thinking of Kate <laughs> of course, like that sounds very much like Kate the, oh, the Kate. sense that like she has to do something but it's in such a way that some viewers no longer say go they're like Stop being dumb. Yes. You're throwing yourself in a danger for dumb reasons or or even like not thinking to make a smart choice, just doing something. She's almost like doing something the most dramatic because she, she can't think of any other way to do except blunt force sometimes. And I think, I mean, unless your point is you purposely highlight someone who is lacking some sort of sense of <laughs> common, sense. common sense or whatever, I think it can be a detriment to have a character that moves beyond normal, what people would consider even like a hero would do. Unless you just, you know, you built a Liam Neeson who will, you know, I have a special set of skills and yeah. it's for your daughter. And you have, there's certain goals people will forgive a lot more. Mm -hmm. A lot of it has to do with Saving a wife, saving a kid. Yeah, there's I'll, certain time. There's a time and place where you you can't be polite. You don't ask questions. You just punch the bad guys yeah. and, and and keep moving. But then, yeah, there's other times when like uh, you could use more subtlety here than a uh, than a concrete block to the face. And I think TV it comes becomes old just because sometimes you see it episode after episode. And like mm. like in a movie, you can like oh okay for this event they're on. But when, like, every week they're this intense, you're like, that's a lot of intensity. <laughs> sure, that makes sense. So generally, proactive is good. Overly proactive can be, I, th I think, can make people just annoyed. That makes sense. But I do think you can make perfectly good stories with more passive characters against the rule of thumb. Uh-huh. The ones that aren't sure what they want to do. Yeah, I mean, the most famous probably is Hamlet. Yeah, we've talked about Hamlet before. He, yeah. He's torn throughout the entire play about what exactly he should do and never really comes to a conclusion before <laughs> everyone dies. Uh, and again, <laughs> that's the point of Hamlet is that. Mm -hmm. So Classic case. The, the moping is part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then you have people like, you know, a lot of misadventures are this way. Bilbo Baggins. At uh -huh. least for the first half, he's just sort of like, okay, I, you know, he's pushed into things, mm -hmm. you know, like, mm -hmm. I just want to go home and have some breakfast and, <laughs> and, and basically until he, basically until the Mirkwood, mm -hmm. he's not particularly proactive. He just kind of reacts, but it works because of the type of story it is and partly because he grows. Yeah, he grows. And would you say he grows from being a passive character to a more active character over the course of the story? Th I would think so. I mean, because after Merc, uh, once Gandalf leaves, he basically becomes the leader of the party. Yeah, essentially. He kind of has to caretake all these all the dwarves. dwarves. Yeah, yeah, because early on you think, oh, these dwarves know what they're going on. Gandalf are now. He's just along for the ride. And then he's basically... I, especially, you know, with the elves, he, he gets them all out of jail, and then he sneaks in with a dragon. I mean, he basically, after Mirkwood, becomes the guy. Yeah. Would you say your character, Obed, is kind of follows a similar track? He does, yes. 
probably highly inspired, obviously not intuitive. I mean, more intuitively by Bilbo than purposefully. Yeah, because he's thrust into it, and then he just does what he has to do because he's supposed to. He does it out of obligation at first, but then the the longer it goes, he would say it was still just out of duty. But for everyone else, it's clearly like, no, you're. You're taking your obligation, your oath to a much deeper extreme yeah. than the common person and, would. Yeah, exactly. And and especially after his uh, well, his conversion moment when he falls down the the well uh-huh. and comes out. For but, anyone who's not aware, folks, we're talking about Obed, a character of Nick's from his book, The Unremarkable Squire, Squire, which unfortunately cannot get the moment. It's it's out of print. It's out of print because of the publisher. Yeah, yeah, that's sad. Yeah, I got I got to get back out. Um, but yeah, I think he would follow that tone. Probably the most extreme passive protagonist i've ever seen is would be bartleby the scrivener which is a short story by herman melville where the guy i don't know i guess the protagonist is the narrator but it's basically about this guy who shows up at work he wants to get a job to be a scrivener and he just doesn't do anything like he just he just kind of sits there and they don't like ask him to do something like he just says i would prefer not to and the whole story is largely about how do you the whole idea of like loving your neighbor does it apply to this person who basically is just won't do anything. Won't do anything. Yeah, it's an huh. interesting story. There's a guy in Sir and Fred model after him, Bart, the secretary, who okay. basically just always says, the only line he really has for the whole first book is, I would prefer not to, uh-huh. which is stolen from that <laughs> short story. <laughs> well, that sounds pretty close to the, the most passive. Another possibility, a stranger? Yeah, the stranger would be very much on the same I don't level. remember if he has a name. I don't remember. It's been a long while since I've read the main, but, but the main character from the book, The Stranger by Albert Camus. Um, you think just happened to him, basically, until yeah. he... Yeah, I mean, his entire philosophy is this very existential. It's like, nothing I do matters. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna, so he doesn't do anything. So it's it's interesting. In some ways, the, the default is the act of character. But to say your character always has to be, I think, eliminate some things that are worth talking about in stories. Yeah. I mean, those two we just said are very extreme on the passive though, side of and things. Though, yeah, the extreme, you're going to have to, you're making a point if you go that extreme. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not your typical story. You're having a very, yeah, those are both very particular about either a philosophy in the stranger's perspective or, I guess, I feel like you couldn't, the stranger is probably the longest you could do that sort of story. Yeah. Uh, Without him changing. Yeah, yeah. I think probably more common is going to be the Bilbo type. The kind of, I guess, kind of comedic in some ways. That we're like, because tragedy is like, I, I make all these choices and things go wrong anyways. Mm. Comedy is like, I didn't mean to do this at all. You know, and I just, you know, seven with one blow. Um, <laughs> wow. Deep pull from Mickey Mouse. There. Yes, yes. I'm glad you caught it. I wasn't sure you would. I, no, I remember that cartoon. Good job. <laughs> But, you know, comedy works really well for things happening, and you're just like, what do I do with this? And then some, and sometimes, a lot of times, that they're more passive and things happen to them, it changes them. Mm. You know, it either makes them more realize what they've got or a little more proud, or sometimes, you know, if it's more serious, maybe less cowardly. Um, hmm. I guess I should ask this while it's on my mind, then. Does that indicate, then, that... Well, I guess in some stories it would indicate then that as a person you want to be going from passive to active. Is there a situation, though, where a, a protagonist was well, just your normal average sort of person and he kind of went back? I mean, 
Bilbo was certainly became active, but then when he got home, he kind of became went back to it. Not that not that he wasn't wiser and smarter than he was before, but he was also pretty content to just stay in his hobbit hole. Yeah, and I wish I knew an example, and the prize one I read. But now that you say that, it seems like there are certainly places for stories where the learning is to learn to stop trying. (laughs) I don't. I mean, but I mean the sort of like. Being more satisfied with where you're at sort of thing. Or even understanding that you have to trust other people to take care of it or not you or mm. or God or, you know, some sort of... Yeah. I guess there's a one scene in Wheel of Time where he's constantly like, I don't want to, you know, he has to save the world and he, it, it's so hard and all these people die for him and he doesn't want to accept it. And he basically just kind of runs away and ends up like on this mountain and kind of has an epiphany sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's a little tiny arc of that but i think there's probably longer books of that sort of like yeah because yeah. I, I know this is an archetype that i've heard of, a story type that i've heard of before but yeah i'm having a hard time finding a good well i mean you you have these stories sometimes about like the businessman who is constantly active and is missing his family so in that sense you have someone who's very goal-oriented very active but is missing an important element of his life yeah I was trying to think through if Howl's Moving Castle has any of this with her getting old, but I don't know that it does quite. Because she's still pretty active. Yeah, I think she too. I, I just remember that scene of her sitting by the lake being like, learning that there's also certain joy in not, but... I don't know that qualifies. That's just kind of a quiet moment in the middle yeah, of the Yeah, which is more story. just Miyazaki. <laughs> being awesome. Being awesome. But yeah, I do, I, and I do think a part of it is that mo- many stories, especially when we talk about visual medium and like popular stories is that we want larger than life characters. And so the active is part of that, you know, not that. And so we, we kind of idolize these, uh, you know, the, the super go getter mm-hmm. where if he was a more mediocre person, he wouldn't be the star of the movie. Yeah. And I think there I mean, are places to, to discuss such things, but I don't know that it is as natural to the bigger, more popular stuff. Yeah, which is an interesting conundrum. One thing that occurred to me a little earlier is that a lot of times sidekicks are the more passive characters, mm-hmm. like your Dr. Watson, who's a very important character, but he's largely there to watch Sherlock Holmes and yeah. provide some commentary, things like that. He's he's not the active one or the strong-willed one. Yeah. Or passepartout. <laughs> yeah, that's true, from uh, Around the World in 80 Days. Mm-hmm. But it does strike me as unfortunate. And again, like we said, it's... Obviously, the active protagonists are fun. I mean, we talked about movies, but also, like, I mean, that's a huge deal in a lot of anime. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and it's more, all about getting stronger and being able to protect my friends. And, and most, most genre fiction. Yeah. In, you know. So it's it's tricky to think about how do we include, because from a Christian perspective, obviously, strength is is good, but there's also a better, Christianity places a high value on being a servant. Being a servant? And- Patience and self-control and a lot of things that are not very flashy. Yeah. The flashy stories capture our imagination and help us to think about the... It's hard to do big scale things without having someone who's very active in a Mm -hmm. sense. I think that's one of the tricky things about like, say, Star Wars Yoda is is like adventure, excitement, a Jedi craves not these things. Um, but we do. But we do. <laughs> exactly. As a, and I remember some people talking about like poking fun at the people who were upset at Luke's journey in Last Jedi, which I won't go into details yeah. here. 
but like we're like, well, Jedi are Zen, so it's the perfect Zen thing. How why why would you think that this movie should be different? It's like, well, because it's Star Wars, yeah. we're, we've come to expect adventure and excitement. So it's uh... when and I and I guess we're kind of conflating active protagonists both for being like strong and decisive versus also just making decisions. And like you can be active in the sense like you're choosing not to do something as opposed to being passive where you're just kind of like a jellyfish being moved around. That's true. And But again, most times for movies and scripts, they, by active they mean you're doing things. Yeah. You're a strong person. And again, like from going from a Christian point of view, you know, when you, you have the whole, you know, armor of God thing, and then, but he says, so you can stand, and then finally just stand. You're not attacking, you're not doing anything. It's just the entire point is just stand there. Mm. Actually, I did write a story like that one time, a long time ago. There's a Twilight Dawn story about then ended with stand. Oh, um, yeah, okay, I remember um, that one. And it was based on that verse in some ways. But I think showing strength in the in withholding, in patience, in and not having to fix it right now is is a much harder thing to pull off in a story that isn't all about that. Yeah. Uh, it's the sort of thing that comes out more in probably family dramas. Mm-hmm. The slow-paced, the the mother who waits for her prodigal son, essentially. I mean, there's, a, there's a great deal of active strength in that, but it's very different than what they tell you to write in film school. Yeah. Necessary. I mean... If you're exaggerating, if you, I mean that I'm exaggerating the point, but yeah, yeah, hmm. And yeah, that, in a movie, you don't want that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's that's interesting. I guess I don't really have an answer for that. Just it's it's food for thought for me right now. In that, like, I mean, because especially since you and I are very much steeped in geek culture, yeah. and I I see that kind of talk a lot, and sometimes I feel it's kind of wearying. What talk? Well, talking about having this comes up with like female characters oh. a lot about wanting the, them to be strong female protagonists oh, and yeah. where does she get her strength and she is she active to the plot and that's that makes sense because i know there's a good argument to be made for a lot of women in genre fiction being more props props yeah and that's yeah that's not good and that's not a good thing either but sometimes the the whole emphasis on strength and this again male or female feels like it's overlooking these other elements mm-hmm. and i wish I think it'd be an interesting challenge for Christian writers working in genre fiction to explore where else we get our strength. Yeah. That strength is not just found in ourselves, but that in our identities are not just found in ourselves, but in God. And there's more than one way to be a proactive protagonist. Mm. It's not always, let's break into the bank, let's <laughs> save my son right now. You know, there's there's other versions. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so yeah, it's interesting. It, it we certainly have to work outside the normal structures that are set up in our popular imagination. But I think there's ways to do it. So so that's something what I got. food for thought this is one I feel like I don't have a definite. Like the last one is like I have a, def- a definite opinion on on uh, this certain matter. This one is like this topic is more exploratory and like there's some interesting things here. There's some tricky challenges I think that could present a Christian writer. Here, here's a, I guess, kind of a midway point. I, I was talking, so my daughter loves Kiki's delivery service. Okay. And that's an interesting one because in one way she's proactive in the sense that she goes to the city, but then she's just sort of learning to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an interesting combination of like just day-to-day life and sort of 
going with the thing while also taking responsibility for hmm. everything that comes into her sphere. Okay. I mean, that's that's active in uh, in a different... I mean, much more humble goals yeah. in a lot of ways. And I think it's just I, like, I'm making a living for myself. And I think there's something really special about that that you don't see in a lot of other... Especially in, like, anim- like animated I mean, things. Animated things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I just want to throw that... Because that's an interesting... Because she, she certainly is not passive. Yeah. I feel like that used to be the... Uh, the how to make a way for yourself used to be a, a more common story thread. Uh, like I remember the boxcar children yeah, books. A lot those of the, great books. Yeah, a lot of that was just about. I mean, they had mis- they added mysteries to them, but initially they're just about kids basically. Uh, like even even after they get adopted by a rich uncle or something, yeah. a lot of them is still like going on vacations and cooking for themselves. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah, being your own, <laughs> being your own self, and uh, or like Swiss Family Robinson, which I just watched on Disney Plus the other night, and I was like, man, one, it's a fun movie because there's a lot of adventures that happen to them. But it's like it's like a lush survival movie because it doesn't feel like the sort of survival movie of like they're you know you just barely scraping by. No, they're like stranded in a paradise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it's just fun to see this family kind of bonding and doing life doing, together. Yeah. <laughs> I guess well, my only summary is that the easy thing about active protagonists is there's always another conflict, mm. and that's conflict's the name of the game for most nowadays, things. especially. Yeah, nowadays especially. So. so. All right, so I guess we'll go ahead and just leave it there and go to our soundtrack. For soundtrack today, I thought it would be fitting, talking about active protagonists, to go with one of video games' most well-known, fast-moving protagonists, Sonic the Hedgehog. Dun dun! Now it's his own feature film. Yeah, that's right. So this is also coming out this month. Timely. So, this is a remix from the original Sonic the Hedgehog video game. This is called Still in Your Marble Zone. This is uh, by Diggy Dis, and I uh, hope you enjoy.
And we're back. Hello. Howdy. I hope you enjoy the the groovy tones of Sonic. I very much did. Yeah. I like that song a lot. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. All right. So next, we are going to go to a segment we haven't done a lot called... Challenge Accepted. All right, Tim, this was your concept. Well, it's been a while since we've done Challenge Accepted. I think last time we did it was in the realm of your old thoughts. With, oh, against Zach and Brianna. Yep, good times. And we good won. Times. That's right. By working the rules just right. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, but today I thought it'd be kind of fun to try something um, we're going to call Name That Protagonist. Dun, dun, dun. Which is not too different from when we did uh, Challenge Accepted in 96, where we did Name That Monologue. There's kind of a theme here. But anyway, since we've been talking about protagonists all the time, so the idea here, I thought, was to describe a protagonist's story in very vague terms and see if the other person can figure out who it is. So give us your example. Okay, so my example was, this is a boy who grew up on a farm with his uncle and aunt and dreamed of going to the academy, but his uncle won't let him. And based off just that brief summary, Nick Jack Br- Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> no. Maybe. I don't no, know Jack no. Ryan's backstory, to no, be honest. No, I don't. No. But yeah, no. that would be Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker. I mean, yes. I I, I didn't say anything about deserts or, or spaceships or anything like that. Just but, very vague, bare bones. Yeah. So the goal here, we'll, we'll take turns at this. and right, whoever, see how my creative juices are flowing tonight. And we'll just see... Uh, uh, my idea was just see how many each person can name can guess within uh, 20 minutes or so we play Okay, this. Let's, let's try this thing. All right. I, and I purposely tried not to think of plan ahead too much, so we'll see how this goes. I didn't plan ahead at all, so we're good. Exactly. That, that, I mean, that was on purpose. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's say, for my first one, uh, this is... Uh, a six-year-old who lives on the street but is well taken care of gets an opportunity to uh, move across country and be adopted by a family. So he does, except he finds out he doesn't really fit in with them at all. And so he he takes a cross-country journey to get back to the street where he was from. Uh, I'm, I'm like all the audience like, is this, is this? And I'm like tickling the back of my brain. Um... I'll, I'll even say the street he's he's from is in New York. New York. This sounds like American Tale. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, he's in. I'm trying. To, I'm trying to think. Of, yeah, I'm, I might just be have to get strike struck out here. Um, try. I'm going to kick myself when I hear this thing. <laughs> give up. Give up. Big Bird. <laughs> That's from the Sesame Street movie, Follow That Bird. Okay, I would not have gotten that one, but I do enjoy that quite a bit. That's good. <laughs> any, any other hints would have given away too much. Yeah. So yeah. I was being v- extremely vague there. <laughs> so wait, Big Bird's a f- six? Yeah, they say he's a six-year-old. I did not know that. I that, mean, I knew he was a kid. That's why but... he's kind of, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the story. But I mean, it makes sense. I guess I just never heard He's been age. six years old for like 50 years, so. Birthdays don't happen very often, apparently. <laughs> I, I guess. I don't know how that works exactly. <laughs> All right, I think I got one. All right. This guy, he lives with his two brothers. He has an annoying neighbor that comes over a lot. He's trying to get this internet business. He has kind of this advice column. He has a pet that's per, um, that he takes care of who is uh, a little larger than life. Hmm, okay. This is kind of cheating, but I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> uh, He's kind of part of a small town. Give me a little bit about, well, does he have an ongoing story or is this episodic? It's episodic. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, let me think. 
he tends to be um, likes to cause chaos with the other people. He has a certain sort of like distinctive look. Um, wait, 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 he's a blogger. You said basically. Well, yeah, he's advice columnist, basically. Advice columnist, loosely. Uh, I'm drawing a blank here. <laughs> All right, so strong bad. Okay, he has his stories, so where he's a protagonist. I know it was a little cheaty, but I just thought it was great to say he has two brothers and an annoying neighbor. Okay, that's fair. (laughs) You you got me there. (laughs) (laughs) Advice columnist. (laughs) He answers emails. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I had to do a a humorous one. Okay, go for it, Tim. Nice job. Okay. Um, The other ones are not so cheaty. This is probably too easy, but I'm going to go with another one about a kid that is not really well understood by his parents, his next-door neighbor, or his teacher at all. He gets into lots of conflicts with all of them. He has a stuffed animal he takes everywhere and um, seems to be his only confidant. It is uh, Calvin Hobbes. Yes, it is. I love it. That's a great... That's a great... Early on, I'm like, is this Charlie Brown? And then he said, stuffed animal. I'm like, yeah, okay. I figured the stuffed animal would give it away right away. But you but got, like, you got to say I have it. to include it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, okay, there you go. You got one. All right. So, uh, it's about one of two sisters, both royalty. They're trained, you know, trained in philosophy and things. And then the one gets married, and the other one is largely distraught by this. Okay. Hmm. Two sisters, both royalty. Now, I haven't seen this, but this isn't anything to do with Maleficent. No, it? no, no, you know this. Okay, I know this. Okay. Huh. Okay, this has got to be just staring me at the face. Purply vague. Okay, ready? Yeah, give it to um, me. This would be till we have faces with Oriole. Oh, okay. <laughs> Deeper pull. It's been a while. <laughs> Okay, I was trying to think, is there like a fairy tale? I'm not I mean, I, I, should, I mean, it's kind of fairy tale. It's pretty close. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, you could have given me a little more detail there, I Probably. guess. Probably. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what other detail to give. It was hard to. It, 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 this is tricky because you got to find the right vague, of, or the right amount of like vague and like, this is, is this being fair or is this, yeah, yeah. Or is this too obvious? Yeah, I'm like, do I say Greek? <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you ready for this next one? Yeah, I think so. Okay, this is a... A story about three academics who have basically their their academic professions are kind of shriveling. Uh, they're not doing very well, but they have discovered this new type of pest, and so they go into a pest control business and uh, wind up protecting the city uh, during a, a certain kind of plague that's that's causing lots of havoc in New York. So wait, three or four? It sounds a lot like Ghostbusters. Yeah. Okay. Well, it starts off. There's three of them. Okay. They have, <laughs> to, they, they have to hire the the fourth one later I, I on. Love the, they get busy. I love the pest. That's pretty great. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Ghostbusters. Good job. You got two so far. All right. So, uh, young man, kind of clumsy, kind of artistic. Has a journal. They hold draw pictures and stuff in. Uh, has a brother. They end up meeting one of their their people's sworn enemies and going off with her to help save their basically the the royalty of that nation uh this sounds like the dragon prince this is a dragon prince i thought i'd do a more obvious one today yeah that would be callum yeah yes callum callum yep nice okay we'll we'll try this one there is an evil scientist who basically starts terrorizing this woodland forest area imprisoning a bunch of the inhabitants 
one of the the woodland creatures rises up and has to collect golden artifacts in order to foil this evil scientist. Golden art. Oh yeah. First I was like, it's Smurfs. Um, <laughs> golden artifacts threw me off though. One of these woodland creatures. Golden artifacts. I'm be very vague with this well, one because you're you're ahead. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, I was super vague on mine. I think it makes it more fun. Um, it's like you ever see on Facebook when they'll be like, write the bat, the worst version of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so woodland creatures imprisoned mm-hmm. by a mad scientist. Yes, and then one of them, just one, rises up. Mm, he he gets a sidekick or two. Okay, okay. And it's go golden artifact. That's what's throwing me off. And again, I'm sure it's something. Can you tell me whether this is a cartoon? Mm, yes. Okay. Hmm. Not Fern Gully. <laughs> is it? No, it's no, not Fern Gully. I don't remember anything about that movie. Uh, I'll say the cartoon, the golden artifacts, are not as significant as other versions of the story. Oh, interesting. Huh. I think I believe they're still in there, but they're not as they're they're not, not emphasized as much. Oh, interesting. I don't know. Give me that one. Well, you talked about this one earlier. Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh. <laughs> Cold artifact. <laughs> the rings. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> I love that. All right. Let's see if I can have a, if I can say this correctly. Okay. All right. So a pair of thieves are attempting to um, uncover a criminal mastermind when one of them meets a girl from his past. This is, um, this sounds like Lupin. It is Lupin. <laughs> from Castle of Cagliostro. Yes. Nice. nice. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get Lupin in there. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll try this one. This is a man who works for, it's not exactly clear what his agency is, if it's private security or if it's like, it's kind of like sla- security slash advocacy. Okay. It's a little vague, but it's a private company, essentially. But he goes traveling around the world on adventures using uh, his, his wits and um, his ability to make the most of the, the objects around him to get out of hairy situations. It goes on adventures. But yeah, at first I'm like, oh, it's like DuckTales, but there's not advocacy group. <laughs> Adventure stuff makes me think it. But they don't think it is. I haven't watched DuckTales for a long time. No, it's not. Um, like <laughs> unless, unless it's the... Uh, the uh, I want gold. <laughs> the Scrooge group. McDuck uh, retirement fund. <laughs> Which he doesn't need. No. Um, <laughs> Trad goes around the world solved with... With his wits and the objects he finds. Very MacGyver. Um, yeah, you got it. All right. MacGyver. You know, I couldn't remember the setup of MacGyver. Yeah, he works for the Phoenix Foundation, but in, I can never remember, at least in the original series. Yeah. I don't follow the new one much because it's, it's modern and boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like the Phoenix Foundation, like sometimes they're like helping people get out of cold, out of the East Germany. And other times, I feel like they're helping, like, the local youth center. <laughs> so I don't really rem- remember that they have a very specific, de- oh, well-designated role. <laughs> All right. So, man has a wonderful life. Good a wife, friends, and he just feels like there's something missing. And he thinks someone might be watching him. Uh, That's literally the entire show. <laughs> Really? <laughs> I was like, you gotta give me something else. Okay, here. okay. Um, like, and every once in a while, it feels like he 
Maybe he just wants to leave oh, his hometown. Oh, Truman Show. Truman. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's actually the whole show, too. <laughs> it's like, I feel like you need to, get, especially as we've been talking about active protagonists, we need a little bit of hint of what the plot is, I think, for these things. But that is the plot. Well, yes. I mean, eventually you got to it. <laughs> eventually, initially, you just told me a, a situation. Well, like yeah, that's most of Is that his beginning? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could say it's about his search to find out who's watching him. Yeah. I guess. But, yeah. But, okay. Um, I'm going to give you one you you know, yeah. but I think it'll just be fun to, to summarize and brief yeah. anyway. So this is a, this is from a story. Two young people, generally speaking, forbidden love. Their father won't allow them to, to be anywhere near each other. The father of the, of the woman, of course. But he gives the the man uh, a task to do it to basically to get to get this uh, oh this long lost artifact back. In order to do this, he's basically going to have to go into hell itself. Except, surprise for the dad, the the girl goes with him into hell to get this artifact. Artifact is probably not the best, the most well, accurate I, word here. But <laughs> that's fine. It's it's a code word it's for a, something. It's valuable. a code word. Code word for something valuable. <laughs> um. And when you say hell, you're meaning uh, um, literal or figurative, or you can't say. It's about as close to literal without being literal. Okay. Okay. See, now that you told me, now I feel dumb, you're like, you'll get this one. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> forbidden love, go get this for me. I mean, it seems like every Greek myth, but. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it was inspired by those. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, you know this. I know. <laughs> you give up? Yeah. Baron and Luthien. <laughs> I thought that would be too easy. No, I wasn't. I was not there. <laughs> it's one of those things. Like if you're just not in the right mind space. Just, yeah, yeah. Because Vegas, you're like, yeah. I was. I got stuck on the Greek, and they couldn't move to a different myth. Mm, mm-hmm. Um. Oh man, Baron and Luthien. It's from the Silmarillion, folks. It's a great, great story. Everyone should read the Silmarillion, or at least Baron Luthien. Yeah, and then if you wanted to be depressed, Turin Turinbaum, <laughs> which is a great story, but depressing as all get out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how well someone could jump into Baron Luthien. I bet the novel would probably be more approachable. That's probably true. I've not read it. Have you? I haven't. I just, I just wonder sometimes. Probably takes the context a little more. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of context you'd have to know. But. Oh yeah, because all the places and all the people have histories. Yeah. By the time you get there. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So are we time for more? Or are we? Yes. I've lost track of how many. I, yeah, knew, I, I knew we should have wrote, written we're, this down. We're both winners. Congratulations. <laughs> um, I think we have time for maybe, uh, well, let's see. I started, so that means you, you should at least do one more. One more. Okay. Let me, okay. At least. All right. Last one. I don't know if it's good or not, but here we go. Obese man accused of attempted murder and theft and polygamy. I don't remember his name, but this sounds like Man Alive. <laughs> it's Man Alive. I just like the summary. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like a horrible book. You say it like that. It's not. No. Was he obese, though? I th- I, he was very large. I don't very know. Big, I, just, yeah. I just did it for the I couldn't summary. remember. In my head, he was just like a big dude. I basically, I, I just assume he looks like Chesterton. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, guess, I guess for me, the, the, the fact that since he traveled around the world and I always just assumed he was really well fit. But yeah. It makes sense for a gesture to <laughs> self-insert. So not hard, but I just I love the summary because okay, it's like we're, go for we're, it. this is just for the fun. Yeah. I, I thought of I thought of one. Okay, so 
So there's this man who is super into his his hobby, and he takes basically takes cosplaying way too far and, and tries living out the life that he's read about. And he gets someone to join him on his adventures in reenacting this life. Tends to go through pretty horribly and he goes through a huge series of misadventures and basically dies disavowing his his hobby. <laughs> I love it, but... I- <laughs> Depending on the version, I've heard some. There, there apparently are some versions where he redeems it, but I think in the original version of it, he he dies disavowing his hobby. I was like Don Quixote. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Nice. You put it that way. It sounds. I mean, it is kind of depressing. I've heard them like this. Some sort of really like artsy superhero movie, but (laughs) I gave it away, away a little bit too much in my explanations there but well maybe but the the other version i'm like oh that must i thought it must be a book then not you know yeah but i was just thinking about don Quixote the other week for some reason but so yeah it's um protagonists are uh much less interesting when describing that manner (laughs) as vaguely as possible vaguely they do things you know yeah sports team Down and out. It's like the the minimalist book covers. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Well, and then it, well, it's like it's, you're supposed to sell your book in like the like the five second elevator pitch. Uh-huh. Again, you make them a little better than that. But I suppose <laughs> if you're still man line, be like man accused of like, da, 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 and you know, and like okay, yeah, I'd read that book, and then it's and then it's it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Short people leave town to find jewelry. Great Muppet Keeper. Lord of the Rings. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love what keep <laughs> those both kind of are accurate. <laughs> they both are actually fine jewelry. It's always it's the rephrasing what they're going for that's the best part. Right, right. Yeah. If, if we had more time, we could look up some interesting they like twist it into like it's like it's technically accurate but you're missing really the the whole point of the story yeah with some of those fun describe a bad movie things or (laughs) describe a movie badly yeah anyway so tim contact info of course we are still at the real trains of thought.blogspot.com so if you want to uh, stop over there leave us a uh, comment or if you would like to leave us your uh, brief uh, vague description of a protagonist see if we can name that protagonist challenge us yes challenge uh, accepted indeed do so again derail trains of thought.blogspot.com we're on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify uh, feel free to leave reviews yes um, tell people your reviews are very helpful. Oh, and the, which does remind me, we should give a special shout out. So we did listener feedback last time and I forgot to mention it. We do have a couple uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts, which is awesome. One of them is, of course, from our one of our, our longtime friends and big fan of the podcast, Nathan Marchand. Oh, so, yes. So thank you, Nate. But then we also got one from... Uh, we should plug here his Monster Island Film Vault if you would like to hear about kaiju movies that's right that's right but back in december we also got a review from a listener named shannon barn oh i know her yeah i went to high school and am i saying that right burn burn okay yeah. uh she just said nick and tim are the best funny and very interesting and funny so we're funny twice so that's awesome <laughs> hey thank you shannon yeah so join the conversation i mean like i said uh, reviews are a great way to, uh, to get people's attention and uh, spread the word if you like us because it spreads best by word of mouth, I think, honestly. Yeah. 
you know your friends better than we do. Yeah. So <laughs> if you think they would be interested in our our shenanigans, unless we're your friends, then we know your friends okay. Well, yeah. Well, true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Tim, it's my soundtrack. It's your soundtrack. What <laughs> so, are you talking about? So <laughs> I had to go with some maze, dude, because I can always go for some maze, dude. But um, so River City Ransom was this game where you basically you had to go get your girlfriends so you beat up all kinds of gang members in 2D glory. Um, that was that was the basic plot of 98% of uh, fighting games back then. You have to go rescue your girlfriend yeah. who's been kidnapped. And they just beat people up and throw them around. And Back when life was simple. Exactly. <laughs> um, I guess there is, there's a recent beat-em-up game that came out where you play as two girls who have to go rescue your boyfriends who got kidnapped, <laughs> which That's is hilarious. kind of fun. But I also went in like an aggressive song. So this is called River City Ram- Ramstein. I don't, am I pronouncing that right? Ramstein? It's, a, no it's a group. Or like a heavy metal group. Oh, okay. Or what? I don't know if they're still around or not. But it's a lot of fun, and it's very Maze Dude, and I hope you uh, rock out to enjoy. Awesome. Well, thanks again for listening, folks. Are oh, there some gunshots? There, I think I hear some gunshots, yeah, down in the lobby. I think I hope everything's okay. Yeah, and podcast, let's, let's get out of here. Yeah, I thought we were going to go somewhere safe for a change. Yeah, you know, I don't know. You never it's... know. Anyway, see you later, folks. Until next time, this is Tim. This is Nick. yippee ki